When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and welcome back to the first episode of this silly, slightly off-kilter podcast in over six months. If you don't remember the original incarnations of Stick to Sports, we, of course, will be talking about Ohio State athletics, but more often than not, we kind of avoid the X's and O's of said sports. We've got plenty of other podcasts to get into that. And instead, we will dive into whatever is going on around the periphery of the games, as well as whatever else is keeping us occupied and entertained in between. Now, it is with great pleasure that I announce that today, for the very first time ever, I am joined by the one and only former editor-in-chief of The Lantern, Jamie Urich. Jamie, welcome to these venerated podcast airwaves of Land Grant Holy Land. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, Jamie, if you... It's been a long time in the making. It really has. Jamie has been writing for Land Grant for what, like six, seven, eight months now? Um, Yeah, about that. Yeah, and you and I collaborate on a weekly Your Nuts column in which we usually debate something that is often ridiculous, to be quite frank. Um, So I'm glad that we're able to like bring that banter to the podcast feed moving forward. Um, You and I kind of run in the same Twitter circles, which is how I think we first became familiar with each other. We have mutual friends, but we've never met in person. Correct. Yeah, I I feel like we've kind of been like circling around each other um, for a couple of years but haven't actually connected in person. But I also have many friends from that same Twitter circle that I would say that's like kind of how our friendships developed and eventually we connected. So I feel confident that eventually we'll get to have dinner. I mean, neither you or I live in New York City, but we were both in New York at the same time in November and you were too busy for me. That's fine. I'm not mad. It didn't hurt, Jamie. I'm just... I'm just saying we had the chance. But on that note, we will be playing a little bit of a game later on in this episode so that we can get to know each other a little bit better. And vis-a-vis that conversation, you can get to know us a little bit better. But before we get into that, we wanted to take like a 10,000 foot view and look back at this last Ohio State football season. Also want to talk about some of the other college football rumors that are going around and, uh, you know, all of the ridiculousness that is college football. So, Jamie, as I said, you live in Los Angeles. I live in Orlando. Um, We both are Ohio State grads. um, But I feel, for me at least, not having lived in Columbus since like six months after I graduated from Ohio State, like it's often hard for me to stay as connected to Ohio State football um, as I used to be. Now, obviously running land grant i'm a little bit more than i was in the intermittent years but how is your connection to ohio state and ohio state sports specifically living first in new york and now in california so when i was in new york i felt like my connection kind of tapered off a little bit because i spent my generally my saturdays at broadway shows So while Ohio State was playing, if it was a night game, I was generally at a show. 
Or if it was a day game, I was generally like in a rush line for a matinee. Um, the only exceptions to that were there were time the Ohio State bar is kind of like right in Times Square. So there were some times where they would play like a 3:30 game and I could time it and go sit at the bar and then go to my show afterward. Um, but I felt like kind of a fake fan. I feel so much more in touch with it now that I'm back in LA because the games are on so early here. Yeah. That like I don't have plans when they're going on. I just kind of get up and drink my coffee and put the game on. Um, and also I live with a Michigan grad. Yeah, we were gonna so, get to that. You wrote about uh, that before the before the game earlier this that year. Has sort of, yeah, that's sort of like upped the ante with the football, um, with the football connection, especially. So how do you like a lot of Ohio State fans have an issue with like what is East Coast time noon games, but it sounds like you love the 9 a.m. kicks for you in Los Angeles. Yeah, I the noon games were harder for me because I have to be like up in the morning to plan around that and get my stuff done to go watch the game. But it's also like early enough that it, it just kind of eats into your day in a really weird and inconvenient way. I feel like the 9 a.m. game is like, I'm up. If I wake up 10 minutes late and miss kickoff, oh, well, but like I'm up, I can drink my coffee. I can have it on while I'm kind of like cleaning my room or doing whatever I need to do around the house. And then, and then I can start my day. Yeah. So you were more invested or at least more engaged with the season this year. Now that we're able to look back on it and kind of see the season as a whole, what are your general thoughts about what we witnessed? Obviously not the high highs that we anticipated coming in and maybe even thought in the middle of the season, but ultimately not like a complete disaster. They're 11 and two and won the Rose bowl. So not horrible, but again, factoring in that you live with a Michigan grad, maybe, maybe it is much more difficult for you than it would be for other folks. I mean, I'm going to, I can't believe I'm going to admit this on a podcast. I was rooting for Michigan in this playoff game. We're done. We're done. Can I? Finish. <laughs> just call it now. Yeah, we're done. This I, like, send in my resignation. Yeah, um, seriously. I the idea that we have an all SEC title game makes me want to stick hot pokers straight into my eyeballs. I and mean, so it's a little extreme, but yeah, I understand. I was sort of hoping. I mean, like, I didn't really think realistically that Cincinnati was going to beat Alabama. But what I wanted like deep in my bones was for Cincinnati to win and for Michigan to win. And then for Luke Fickle to like get his revenge. Yeah. See, I'm a little different because I used to live in Georgia in the middle of uh, UGA territory. And I despise that fan base and that program with every fiber of my being. So... I was screwed no matter who won that game between Michigan and Georgia. I knew one of the two or three teams that I hate the absolute most was going to be there. So I will be rooting for Alabama. I actually don't have an issue with Alabama. Like, they're just better than everybody. And they probably, I mean, the fact that they have not had a single, like, announced COVID case in two years is a little suspect. Now, maybe they're just not announcing them and they're having them. But, like... I feel like Saban kind of bends things a little bit, but I was certainly like if I was going in a hierarchy of who I wanted to win in the play in the semifinals, I knew that whoever was going to win 
the semifinal between Alabama and Cincinnati was who I would be rooting for in the championship game because literally Georgia, Michigan, and Penn State are the three teams that I hate the absolute most in all of sport, let alone college football. So I knew it was team A was going to be the team I root for because team B I would rather burn in the fiery pits of hell than ever root for. It um, it sounds like you feel about Georgia the way that I feel about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Could be. Yeah, yeah, Which, Like generally when I have a game, like it sounds like the Michigan-Georgia game was for you, I'm sort of just rooting for the stadium to spontaneously combust. Yep, 100%. Zero-zero tie. Everybody on the field disappears. Right. Like zapped aliens, something. I'm not like, I don't like truly wish bodily harm no, on them, but like some situation where they just kind of vanish into thin air painlessly would be lovely for me. Yeah. Um, I wake up every day in this city and I just like wish that all Dodgers fans would be minorly inconvenienced in some way. Like I, again, not bodily harm, but like parking tickets, jury duty, stub their toe, like something that I just, Oh, the, the, the passion that I carry like on my deathbed, my last words will be out of like spite for the Dodgers. So why is it? Is that because, I mean, you're a Chicago native, you're a Cubs fan, I believe. Is that rooted in that allegiance or because Mm -hmm. of living it? Okay, go ahead. Tell me. Well, it's the combination because the fans for the Dodgers, and this is not true of all Dodgers fans. I think all fan bases have people who are like this, but the Dodgers fans that I have had the misfortune of interacting with are very fair weather fans. And I don't respect that. Um, I know that there are deeply loyal Dodgers fans out there. I know that there are Dodgers fans who have been fans since they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. I respect those people. Those are not the people that I'm interacting with. Um, And my, the real breaking point for me was I was at a Cubs Dodgers game while I lived here the first time pre New York and Jake Arrieta threw a no hitter against the Dodgers and the Dodgers fans booed him. And like for the, the rage that like this, at this point, the Cubs weren't really good. They were like kind of on the upswing, but they hadn't won the world series yet. And like, I think it was the first year that they kind of made the playoffs with that world series team, but it wasn't the world series year. And it was like, you just watched an incredible athletic feat. It doesn't matter if it was your team or not. Like the rage that built in my body is something that I will carry with me until the day that I die. I feel like this might be something you need to discuss in therapy. Cause like, that's... yeah, I definitely probably should outsource this to my therapist. <laughs> All right. So uh, after that baseball tangent, I'm a Reds fan, so nothing can hurt me. Like they hurt me enough, but um, <laughs> so, so what were your thoughts on the season then? Like, was this a successful season? Was it a disappointing season? Was it a mass season? How did you feel about Ohio state's, 2021 slash January 1st, 2022. I mean, listen, like, so as a Chicago sports fan and a Cubs fan over with the White Sox, like most of my teams were hot garbage during this fall. The the Bulls are looking good. So like, we're okay. But I generally don't have to worry about the Buckeyes. Like they're a team that I just, they're like kind of a steady force. So for Ohio State, this was obviously like two losses is more losses than we generally have. With that said, that is still a pretty successful season. Like if this is our meh year, we're in good shape. 
Yeah, they're going to finish in the top five more than likely. They're going to probably be number five. So the idea of like a two loss season being a disappointment is just like mind boggling to me because they still are like freaking unbelievable. Like you look at the talent that we have in the field and it's like, yeah, okay. We we're not in the playoffs. That is always disappointing. You want your team to win, but I wouldn't say this was a disappointment. We have a freshman quarterback who we can come back to this if you want, but like if we're still having conversations about whether CJ Stroud is the real deal or not, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like those conversations. I've written about it with him and Justin Fields, because for some reason we still have these conversations and Dwayne Haskins. I've read about it then too. There is one very quite with a capital W uh, reason why I feel like these guys don't get the benefit of the doubt from a lot of Ohio State fans, but that's a neither here nor there for this discussion. Yeah, it's just um, like, what more do you need out of a freshman quarterback to prove that they're the real deal? Like this, he is blowing people out of the water who have more experience than him. I just, I, I can't even. And like the receiving core is unbelievable. I'm so excited for what we, the pieces we have in place for next season. Um, yeah, I don't, I think that like, there's some defensive stuff that we can figure out, but yeah, all in all, I'm like pretty happy with the way it went. Like obviously would love to not have two losses and certainly would love to not um, lose to Michigan when in general, but also when I live with a Michigan grad, but all things considered, like I would say the season was a success. They looked phenomenal in the Rose bowl. Like, I mean, on one side of the ball, on one side of the ball. On, yeah. on one side of the ball. Yes, that's correct. You're, that's absolutely correct. So I think like we need to hash out some of the defensive issues um, going into next season, but like we're in good shape. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, like, here's the thing. We knew coming in that Ohio State's defense was going to be bad. They've been bad for like th- three of the last four years. The one year that they weren't bad was when they had Jeff Halfley as the defensive coordinator. He left after one year to go be the head coach at Boston College. And I've written this literally in like three or four articles over the season. Ryan Day screwed the pooch when it came to hiring coaches. His one good hire was Jeff Halfley, and he left after one year. Since then... They've all kind of sucked or been mediocre at best. He is now trying to fix some of those things. Jim Knowles coming in, one defensive coordinator of the year when he was at Oklahoma State this past season, now is taking over Ohio State. I feel like that's going to get better. The the recruiting had a downslide um, for a couple years there at the end of the Urban Meyer era, so they're starting to get in more talented guys. I feel like the defense, as long as they're decent next year, with C.J. Stroud, which you mentioned, obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Egbuka, obviously Trey Henderson still there. Like the the offense is going to be amazing. So like this year, while it always sucks to take a step back out of the playoffs and even more so to lose to your rival, like if you're really that upset about this, get a grip. Like th- like there are bigger things to be worried about. We're in like starting season three of a global pandemic, um, and like there's a lot bigger issues than Ohio State being eleven and two, in my opinion. Right. And frankly, like, I would rather our two losses, like, I don't ever want to lose to Michigan ever, but the Michigan team this year is a great football team in terms of, like, X's and O's. And I would rather have two losses and have them be to teams like Oregon and Michigan than one loss that was, like, a throwaway loss to 
yeah, to like Illinois, you know, that to me feels way worse to be like, we should have been undefeated because we are objectively a better team than this team that we lost to. Um, So I'll take our two losses because the teams that we lost to are great teams and they had great days in those games. Yeah. And, and I feel like what the difference is, is like when Ohio state lost to Illinois and like going back to 2007 and when they've lost to Purdue and Iowa and they had down years, like those, you can feel like those shouldn't have been losses. Like those are things that like Ohio state was clearly the better team and they just weren't prepared. And while I feel like Ohio state was not prepared either from a coaching or a player standpoint for either Oregon or Michigan this year, like that was because those were like season long issues. And those games that were kind of the surprises, like they were just really good teams that year for Ohio state. And then they had like a bad night here. Like they kind of had a bad season on defense and it came up to Biden, but it wasn't as much of a surprise because we kind of anticipated it. So I feel like you and I, Jamie, are on the same page in terms of how to look at the season. But I am interested. There is one more college football game this season. It is the national championship game. You and I, we just talked about it, like uh, this whole SEC national championship game. Do you have any interest in watching this thing at all? Because I feel like even outside the Ohio State community, like there's very little buzz for this outside of SEC territory. Um, I'm going to say this one's going to be a hard pass for me. Um, like I might check ESPN to just see what the score is, but like, no, I don't. I, because if Georgia, like, I think that realistically, if Alabama wins, it's like more of the same. It's like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, I have not lived in Georgia, but I have had interactions with some very obnoxious Georgia fans. And so like, I just, I, I can't, I just can't invest in this game one way or another. Um, my brother is a senior at Tennessee and I don't even think he's watching the game and they're uh, because he like, he's like, I hate both teams. Like there's, there's nothing in it for me other than misery. So like, what's the point? I I think that's a very mentally healthy way to approach it. Um, the last football thing that I want to talk about is there are rumors swirling that literally at any moment, Jim Harbaugh could be announced as the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders which I think is absolutely hysterical that he has one and only one successful season at Michigan and he bolts mainly because they made him like take a 50% pay cut last year to keep his job. Um, I think this is hilarious. And while I want Jim Harbaugh there forever, because I don't think he's a very good coach. And I think that Ohio state will win eight out of 10 times uh, in that series. It almost makes me, kind of happy that Michigan fans had like one brief shining moment of success. And then the coach that got them there that they loved, like the Michigan man is bouncing immediately after. So like, if he goes to the Raiders, I will laugh so hard. So hard. Like there, there are, I will, you will hear me in Florida. Um, there is also a, uh, rumored swirling that like along with the Raiders the other team that he is considering mm-hmm. or that has a shot is the Chicago Bears yeah because he played there forever you will hear me screaming from Florida because as a Bears fan this is something that I simply cannot abide like we need a new coach badly and Justin Fields deserves so much better than what he's getting in Chicago 
but I do not think that Jim Harbaugh is the solution to that problem. Yeah, that would be and nuts. I do not want it. Can you imagine Justin Fields playing for Jim Harbaugh? I mean, like, uh, no. X's and O's wise, it makes sense. Like, you know, Jim Harbaugh took the 49ers to the Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick, and they have similar styles. Both guys who can run, but are, but are, you know, throwers, pocket passers first. Like, it does kind of make sense. Um, But it would make it very difficult. Very, very difficult. I think that Harbaugh, from a coaching perspective, could fix a lot of the Bears' problems. Like, Chicago, I just, what we've got going on right now is a whole mess. Um, And I do think that Harbaugh's coaching strategy and coaching style would lend itself really well to the pieces that we have. But. But. (laughs) I still don't want it. And I still think that that would put, I mean, not that like, but people play with, with other players that were on their rival teams all the time in the NFL, but I just like the idea of Justin Fields having to be coached by Jim Harbaugh is like borderline comical, um, but also terrible. I don't want it. No, no, not at all. But I would, I would laugh so hard if he went to the Raiders. Yeah. The only bad side of. Yeah, the only bad thing about that is that my sister and nephew live in Las Vegas, and I have bought my nephew like Raiders gear um, because they live there, and I will have to take it back and burn it if he's the new head coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can hold like a ceremonial bonfire. Great. If that happens, I will join you. That can be our first in-person meeting. I love it. Um, Also, like the downside is that then Michigan is going to find a new coach, and he might be a better coach. Yeah, I mean. I don't love that for us. No. I like it's like weird to say that in a year that we lost to Michigan, but I still feel really cocky with Jim Harbaugh as their coach. 100 percent. The only the only thing is that I think they might promote from within because they actually had a decent season this year. They it, depending on if he takes Mike McDonald, his defensive coordinator with him, um, maybe because he came actually from his brother's staff for the Baltimore Ravens. He might go and be the defensive coordinator in Las Vegas with him if that's where he goes, but he could be the coach. Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator could be the head coach. So I don't know. I think it's all a bunch of crap and Michigan got lucky and Ohio State will be fine. All right, Jamie, I feel like we have just far eclipsed our sports talk quota for a stick to sports episode um so we're going to turn our conversation to a much more interesting topic which is us um so as we said we've known each other for a while but we don't like really know each other all that well so since this is the first time that we are doing a podcast together i feel like we should probably learn some things about each other and then that way our audience can learn some things about us as well. So what we're going to do is we're each going to ask each other three questions. And after the person answers the questions, we'll give our own answers as well. Um, just so like we, we, we have a good groundwork of where we're starting from with this new podcast partnership. So do you want to ask first? Or do you want me to ask first? Um, I'll ask first. All right, go for it. I would love to know um, your favorite memory at Ohio State. <sighs> okay, so this is hard because technically... I'm not supposed to share any of this, but uh, I feel like since it happened 20 years ago, the statute of limitations on this promise um, has eclipsed. Um, So I'm going to speak in vague generalities, but I'm not that smart or creative and I'll probably lose the thread. So I'll just probably end up saying it at some point. So 
20 years ago this past September, I was fortunate enough to be selected to a group of people that um, had to get dressed up. I wore a suit and a sash to a football game and got to stand on the field um, during halftime. Um, as part of the celebration around being a part of that group, there was a secret um, ceremony where the people from the previous year's group kind of led us around campus and we ended up inside uh, the horseshoe at like 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I don't remember what time. And I am not generally somebody who is afraid of heights. Um, it doesn't bother me tremendously, but we literally climbed through some, we actually had keys to get into the stadium, um, but we climbed either around a gate or we got a gate open that we weren't supposed to. I don't remember, um, but we ended up sitting on a place that is usually reserved just for like uh, a police officer stands there, like right next to a really tall flagpole that is very close to Moral Tower. And we ended up having like a little party in this area. Um, I am not a drinker myself. I wasn't in college, um, but there was some, I think maybe some champagne, I think. I don't remember. Um, but I just kept thinking like my friends were up here. Um, they're drinking. It's a long way down. And again, not afraid of heights, but I was a little nervous, but it ended up being such a cool experience. I mean, literally being on a place on campus that very few people ever get to go. Um, so while it was a mix of being terrified, I very much appreciated at the moment how special it was that I was there at all, let alone with, um, some very good friends of mine and some people I didn't know, but who were very, uh, you know, cool, smart, accomplished people. So that would probably be my favorite single memory. Um, you know, if it was in a vacuum. So what about you? Um, mine is probably my senior year Mirror Lake jump, um, which was kind of a strange Mirror Lake. I, I did jump all four years and my first three years did kind of the traditional like party with your friends and then jump in the lake and then jump out. But my senior year um, was the year I was editor in chief at the Lantern and we were covering the jump. Um, so we weren't jumping and we essentially like went down to the lake, covered it, went back to the newsroom, did all of our stuff, and then decided that because the seniors decided that we still felt like we needed to jump. So having put the paper to bed for the night, it was like probably 1130 pushing midnight. We went back to the lake. It was almost entirely empty and cleared out at this point and jumped in like just the six of us That's awesome. and had a really cool moment in the lake and then like went back to the newsroom in like with like our beach towels and our beach balls, but we were like in mirror Lake with beach balls that we found in the newsroom, um, completely sober standing in mirror Lake and just kind of having like a fun senior moment for the six of us. Um, that was like a really special night that kind of, I felt like I was with the people that had carried me through my four years. I was like, got to do what I loved in the newsroom and then still had this really cool, like traditional moment too. I love that. But it was a little more private than than the first three because it was really just us in the lake. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. I, uh, I My other one that I thought about was um, I've gotten to go up on a couple occasions and play the, um, the chimes in Orton Hall, um, oh, which is cool. also a cool experience. Um, I was in the junior honorary chimes. So that was part of our like 
not induction ceremony, but like, hey, you've been selected ceremony again at night, little secret things. Uh, but I've gotten to go up there and like play. And there's, it's a little mini keyboard. You can play whatever you want. Um, and it has like the, you know, it says like it's all color coded. So you could play the dun, 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 dun. Or if you knew how to play piano, you could play something else. So that was a really cool thing, too. But it was always very similar, like what you said. It was like kind of quiet. Nobody else around. Just a group of a few people because you can only get a few people in the bell tower at a time, like two, three at most. So that was really cool, That's too. Really cool. Yeah, we had one. I had one like other really awesome moment my freshman year was like one of the first snow days that Ohio state had had in almost a decade. Um, so we didn't have class and everything was really quiet. And a group of us went out to the South oval where there's, there's like, it kind of dips a little bit. So there's a hill. Um, and we took the lunch trays from Kennedy Commons and like went sledding on the KCOM lunch trays, which was really fun. And it was a bunch of people, who grew up like in warm states where they didn't have snow. So it was like a lot of people's first time sledding, which was really fun. Yeah. I My freshman year, I lived in Lincoln Tower. And this was before everything outside of Lincoln Tower was like built up. It was just a huge field between there and Larkins effectively. Um, and on a big snow day, me and my sweet mates, we went all, all went out and had like a professional wrestling match in the snow. It was idiotic, but a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Um, my question for you is, what are your five favorite TV shows of all time? No, no explanation needed. If you want to, you can. But if just like, what are your five seminal TV shows for you? Um, one Tree Hill is my number one. Um, okay. You said no explanation needed. No, you don't that have to. require a whole 30 minute podcast of its own. We can do that sometime. Um, the Good Wife. Uh, wow. Five Gilmore girls. Attracts. Yeah. Um, the nanny. Okay. Wasn't expecting that one. And golden girls. Okay. That is, uh, there's some through lines there that I'm seeing. Um, (laughs) usually about, um, strong, interesting women. Uh, I am seeing that. Okay. I like that. Did you consider yourself a Rory? I assume. Um, Pre her becoming a pain in the ass in the college well, years. No, I mean, listen, like I was a pain in the ass in my high school years. Like high school, me very much was a Rory. Um, but when you become someone who throws your stuff in your car and moves across the country on a whim with no job lined up at that point in my life. So like early twenties, I became more of a Lorelei. Like yeah, that'll that lose you up. So sense. I've shifted at some point, but I was very much a Rory in high school and okay. I was a pain in the ass and I can own that. All right, good. I'm, I'm We've grown. What are your, your five favorites? My five favorite, these are in no particular order and I'm not including anything that's currently airing because like we mentioned um, off air before you started recording, like I don't want to get into something where I say, this is one of my favorites and then it pulls a Game of Thrones and sucks at the end. So this isn't including like Ted Lasso or Only Murders in the Building, which I, I love. But my five, it's amazing. Uh, But my five in no particular order are The Leftovers, Jane the Virgin, Rectify, Saved by the Bell, and Fleabag. Oh, there's some variety in there. I really like that. Yeah, and I've seen Fleabag. I saw um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge do Fleabag at the Soho Playhouse in person, um, which was one of like the coolest things 
ever. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right. So what's your next question? Um, I am curious what the best concert you've ever attended was. Oh my, uh, that's tough. We did not really prepare each other for these questions. No, um, we're throwing them out of left field. So, hmm, I will say one that comes to mind, this won't be my final answer, but one that comes to mind just because it was at Ohio State was I saw um, the Dixie Chicks at the shot, like in like one of the first year or two of the of the shot. And I was never like a huge country music person, but like the chicks are so incredible like that show was amazing um but my favorite band of all time is a band that no one has ever heard of although our mutual friend grace aki also loves them um that we found out kind of out of nowhere um it's a band called cowboy mouth they're out of new orleans and they're just kind of like this this fun rock band that has like a cult following they had like one hit in the late 90s early 2000s but that's it and they're just like they're they are the most energetic fun band ever i've seen them many many times one of them and i saw them in naperville once um when oh, i lived in cool. chicago so it's just they're just a great band cowboy mouth um if they are ever in a town near you i highly recommend uh checking them out their their stuff is good their, their music in the past 10 years hasn't the new stuff they put out hasn't been great but like They've been around like I first became a fan of theirs when I was a freshman in high school, which was a long ass time ago. Um, so they're great. But uh, I never have a better experience at a concert than a Cowboy Mouth show. So that's awesome. Yeah. So what about you? So I have mine. It's kind of a tie for two, which is cheap because it was my question. But um, the first is I saw Foo Fighters at um, the 20th anniversary of Lollapalooza. It was like the 20th year that Lollapalooza had been there. And it was like the closing show of the festival. And it was a torrential downpour in Chicago, like up to our, I was with my best friend, Emily. Um, We've been best friends since high school. And we were, I mean, up to our knees in mud. Both of us had our phones broken. Both of us, it was like the digital camera era. era. So both of us had our digital cameras broken by the rain. Like there was just nothing you could do. And it was like, 20,000 people in a field like while the rock band continued to play in this torrential downpour it was unbelievable and the second one just happened it's a concert that I would like to believe that I personally manifested um, I know I know what this is I know what this one is (laughs) this is a Brandy Carlisle at Carnegie Hall playing Joni Mitchell's Blue Album explain why you manifested that though for the listeners, I have been a Brandy Carlisle fan like since her first album dropped. Um, and I have been watching her play in these like tiny little clubs for many years. So watching her career like skyrocket to the point where she's selling out Madison Square Garden and playing Carnegie Hall has been such a joy because I feel like I can talk about her music with people now because she's a little more mainstream. Um, and so I, when I was living in New York, I was working at Carnegie Hall. And I kept like running through the office, just kind of being like, when are we going to bring Brandi Carlisle? Like now she's a mainstream name. We can, she'll sell tickets. We can do it. We can bring her here. And um, shortly before I left and moved back to LA, um, we got an email that she was coming to play Joni Mitchell's Blue album. So obviously I was Mm -hmm. like going to sell my firstborn child to be there. And it was just, it was unbelievable. She did a song completely unplugged where she like used no mics, no amps and just like sang because the acoustics are so perfect in the space. And you 
it was like crystal clear. It was so beautiful. I can't believe that I was there. It was spectacular. So that's um, first off amazing. Um, secondly, I've never been to Carnegie Hall, so <gasps> I feel like eh, maybe I, have, uh, I say that, and now I'm thinking that I might have. Was we that, might need to fix that. Was that Neil Patrick Harris Company at Carnegie Hall, Ooh. or was that at where? Or I forget where that was. I'm typing. I Neil don't know. Company. It would have been before my time. Yeah, this was like 2011. Philharmonic. Oh no, it was at Avery Fisher Hall. I like it. Oh, okay. okay. I was like. Because we do some like we did like a West Side Story. Right. Um, we do sometimes like they don't really do full stage productions, but they'll do like concert versions of things. Right. Yeah, I need to go. I need to go. I, I was in town when um, Jessica Vosk uh, was at Carnegie Hall a, a few months ago and my mom loves her. I didn't go, but um, that one sold out. I know. I know. And I feel like I can't. I, I, I was seeing six that night. I saw six that night. So it's really rare. Like also, it's a very big deal for her that she sold out because it is the list of theater people who actually sell out the hall is very short. So it's a a really big deal. Like very exciting for her. We can talk about that off air. Anyway. um, Okay. So my second question, what is your favorite Ohio state related food thing? It could be something from Kennedy commons, like you mentioned earlier, um, or your favorite campus pizza, or like if you had like a Euro place, um, whatever, what is your favorite Ohio state food? Buckeye donuts. Buckeye donuts, donuts. Yeah, I should have known. We, we, it's like I want a donut in the morning, and then I want a breakfast sandwich from there for lunch, and then I want a euro for dinner, and then I'm going to come back for a second euro at two o'clock in the morning on my way home. I love it's it. Buckeye donuts. I would sell my soul for them. I honestly looked to see if they like shipped stuff specifically for you. Um, they do not. The day that they start shipping donuts is the day that it's over for me. Yeah, it's like because I order schmackeries for people fairly regularly, which is yeah. a huge New York cookie place. Like if, if schmackeries can do it, Buckeye Donut can do it. And Portillo's in Chicago ships. Yeah, so like, absolutely. I feel like it, it can be done. The day that they start shipping things to Los Angeles, it's over for me. I never need to leave here again. Amazing. Uh, mine... Mine is, and I feel like you might know this as well, because not only have I talked about it, I've written about it a lot. I have a shirt. Um, it is Catfish Biffs. Um, oh, rest in peace. So bad. Uh, it's ridiculous. I, n- that's not true. I did, I was an RA in Bradley Patterson. So that was the only year that I was ever lived on South Campus. But I would trek there to get it. I worked at the union, in the old union, before they tore my union down. Um, I worked in the union for three years. So I would go to Catfish Biffs all the time. It was my favorite. It's my, it's my favorite piece of all time. Um, so very sad that it's torn down. I'm hoping that eventually, or it, they got bought up or whatever. So I'm hoping that eventually they find a new home, but it's weird, Jamie, like I haven't been to campus in many, many years, but I'm going to be in Columbus, um, in a little over a month. And so I'm going to go up to campus. I, I know it's gone through like so many changes since I was there, even since I was like a student, like I was there at the beginning of the, campus partner days like when it was still being argued um and i was a uh, an off-campus uh senator for for usg and like that was like the big thing is like we were fighting with campus partners and now it's gone through like multiple gentrification generations um so i don't even know what is there anymore but it makes me sad that catfish biffs is not uh yeah that makes me very sad too i haven't been back since 2018 and it high street was unrecognizable i'm sure I'm like sure. all of the bars and restaurants had completely changed. Um, 
everything that was in the gateway has since like closed and then reopened outside of the gateway. It was very strange. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. Like the gateway didn't exist when I started at Ohio State. Yeah. Buckeye Donuts is still going strong though. Yeah. That's good. Is the big like two story McDonald's still there? Just like, is that just like across the parking lot from Buckeye Donuts? Pretty close to, I I can't remember Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was still there. I think like the big one that was on high street. Yeah. 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 On like, like, pretty close to to like lane. 17th and high yeah, 17th like yeah okay um yes that was still there uh canes was still there i'm trying to think but canes didn't exist when i went to ohio state oh you were robbed you were really robbed yeah one time i got like actually robbed like someone stole my purse oh, and they spent six hundred dollars at canes wow. on my debit card it's, it's hard to be that mad well, and I just, I was like, I can't even be angry because you spent $600 at a restaurant that only sells chicken fingers. Like, yeah. And like, I'm how many chicken impressed. fingers did you buy? Like, is I that 1,200 like, chicken fingers? Like, Jesus. I'm going to report this to the bank, but I'm honestly impressed with you in this Seriously. moment. Yeah, 100%. All right. What is your third and final question? Um, my third and final question is if you, so... For our listeners out there, Matt and I are both pretty big musical theater fans. If you could star in any play or musical, what show would it be? Ooh, um, that, ooh, that stuff. I have not been in a play or musical since my senior year of high school, which again, not in this century. Um, that is tough. I and would... I'm not saying you would have to be good in it. I'm just saying <laughs> which one would you have the most fun well, but sucking at something is generally not a ton of fun. Like if I could tap dance, I'd love to be able to tap dance. I'm not a dancer, but like, so that wouldn't be fun to me to be like in a tap dancey show. But um, like, I would love to be, I would love to do Les Mis, not because it's my favorite show, but like just to have, just to be able to either, especially if I was like, was playing Jean Valjean, like I can't sing, bring him home. That's too high for me. But like, that show is just so epic and so big and it's such a, a huge arc for the character. I, I would do that. I think if I had more time, I'd probably come up with a different answer, but like off the dome, I'm, I'm going to go with Jean Valjean and, and Les Mis. Awesome. What about you? Um, I would, if I had the talent, I would play Francesca Johnson in Bridges, Madison County. <laughs> Again, the, like, not surprised. Role that I would just knock out of the park and nail every time and know it. It's like right in my wheelhouse is... <laughs> It's so stupid. Um, my true dream role is Winthrop in The Music Man. Oh, God. Well, I mean, look, it's on Broadway right now. They might need to recast. So yeah. Celia Keenan-Bolger can win an Oscar or a, I'm sorry, a Tony for playing Scout. I feel that I could win one for playing Winthrop. I mean, she's a much more talented person than I am. She's but. one of the most talented people in the, in the world. But um, true story. Anytime I get a text message, Celia Keenan-Bolger says, Hi, Matt Tamanini. Hi, Matt Tamanini. That is my text message ringtone. Tony winner, Celia Keenan-Bolger, saying my name. Um, all right, so my last question. There is only one correct answer. If you don't get it wrong, our entire podcasting relationship might be up in smoke. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Okay, that is the correct answer. We can go on living as podcast co one piece of bread. It is not a sandwich. It well, is its own entity. I am from Chicago. I will go to my grave. Yes, this but is also, the hill I will die on. But also, you can buy a hot dog, and it is just the meat. So, like, it's not you're like... Right. You're right. You're right. That is the hot dog. So, like, if I buy, like, turkey lunch meat, it's not a sandwich. It's just correct. turkey. Correct. You're right. You're absolutely correct. 
Yeah. He's so, not a sandwich. Yeah, that is the answer. That is the only answer. I was going to ask that question, so I'm glad that Were I you? didn't. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you're a Chicagoan. I lived in Chicago. Hot dogs are a staple there. Um, although I feel like we might argue over the correct toppings, but that's neither here nor there. I was just going to say, but if you put, I don't want to know whether or not you put ketchup on yours. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so the, how we generally end stick to sports episodes is that um, we will both give you a recommendation of something. It could be a TV show. It could be a movie. It could be a book. It could be a podcast. It could be a viral video. It could be a TikTok. It could be anything. It could be going to take a walk. I don't care. Um, since you went first on the questions, Jamie, I'll go first on the recommendations. I'm going to recommend a show that I think anybody who likes like serious, thoughtful television needs to watch because I think it's the best thing on TV right now. But because of the circumstances of this show, I have a feeling that one, HBO Max has no idea how to market this show. But two, I think a lot of people will avoid it because of the content. Now, to be clear, this show started filming in December of 2019 and into January of 2020. Obviously, it had to shut down. But in December, it started releasing a handful of episodes at a time, like three episodes the first week, two episodes the next week, and two episodes subsequently. This is a show that is a post-apocalyptic show, which every TV show basically is about something post-apocalyptic, but... It is coming after a widespread flu-type pandemic that decimates the majority of the Earth's civilization. It is called Station Eleven. It is based on a uh, novel of the same name by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, it is brilliant. It is so human and touching um, and not in any way trite given the real world pandemic that we're living through obviously the pandemic in the show is much more severe than the one that we are going through despite the fact that the one we are going through is pretty damn severe but this is like 90 percent of the earth's population dies um but what is great about it is it's very personal there's a lot of like time jumps between like it, it the, the the pandemic just kind of breaking and then 20 years later 20 years later, our main character, who is a child at the beginning, um, she is now like the leader of a traveling group of Shakespearean performers. Um, and so I love that for the theater connection. But it's such a great show. It's like a little bit of Lost, a little bit of The Leftovers, um, which The Leftovers I mentioned earlier is one of my favorite shows of all time. So, but it's 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 silly. It's got a little bit of like humor and weirdness in it, but it's also very very human. Um, not a ton of big stars. Uh, Gael Garcia Bernal is is a recurring character in it. Danielle Deadweiler is phenomenal in it. David Cross shows up a little bit. Um, uh, Enrico Colantoni, who is also one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, Veronica Mars shows up. And then a few people here and there. Deborah Cox um, is, is in it. Um, uh, you know, just some some very cool people. It's led by Mackenzie Davis as the older version of a character named Kirsten, who we see uh, as a child when it first starts. But highly recommended. It's on HBO Max. Um, there, are, uh, I believe, there's one more episode that's going to be released on the 13th. Um, so there's nine episodes that you can catch up on now. But a a really truly phenomenal watch if you're willing to kind of dive into the 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 real life sorrow of it all um but it really is just weird and fascinating that sounds awesome you sold yeah. me all right great so what is your recommendation jamie listen 
I'm going the complete opposite. It is the stupidest thing. <laughs> I have been laughing about it for like five days straight. If you have not seen Elmo's feud with Rocco oh the God. Rock, you like go to Twitter, go to Google, go to YouTube and just type in like Elmo versus Rocco. Who knew? It's a rock. It's it's a pet rock. Like one of Zoe, one of the other characters on Sesame Street has a pet rock named Rocco. And Elmo has no tolerance for this rock. Like this rock is absolutely ruining Elmo's life. He's in a full out feud with this rock. Um, and it is hilarious because he is not beautiful. hiding it at all. It's beautiful. Um, and there are hours and hours worth of clips on YouTube. I did a full deep dive. So the one that's going viral is Elmo going berserk because he wants an oatmeal raisin cookie, but Rocco took the last one and Elmo would like to know how Rocco is going to eat the cookie because he doesn't have a mouth and he's not alive. Um, however, there are like Fair many, points. many, many videos on the YouTube. Um, so you can <laughs> spend hours if you'd like to. Um, yeah, I just, I really love Sesame Street. It brings me a lot of joy and it has been a true delight to watch Elmo become his um, peak petty self. This I week. love it. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and here's the thing is like, it's not new because these videos have been out there for a while, but someone like threaded them together and right. it is amazing. It is so yeah, good. Yeah, it's like funny how things like that pick up steam at strange times because he's been in this feud for a long time, but it's just now gaining like pop culture traction. It's amazing. Uh, I, I mean, I, anything Jim Henson related is pretty amazing. And speaking of which, the new Fraggle Rock reboot um, starts up here pretty soon with Broadway favorites uh, John Tartaglia and Lily Cooper um, involved as well. But always looking forward to a little Fraggle Rock. But between that and this Elmo thing, like the Muppets are having a little bit of a comeback. And I know these are like tangential Muppets, so don't anyone yell at me, but they're they're Muppet. They're Muppet cousins. I love it. All right, that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant and Holy Land's Stick to Sports Podcast. If you are finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like this particular brand of weirdness that we are supplying you, please feel free to leave us a rating and review. Also, follow Land Grant and Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me on Twitter at Matt. Jamie, where can people find you if you want people to find you? They can find me on Twitter at Jamie Yurich. This is J-U-R-I-C-H. Thanks to all seven of you who have made it this far in the episode. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.